We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Lee Fong, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. That does it for us tonight. Thanks for watching. Banfield starts now. And it is great to have you here on this Wednesday. I don't usually report on a court proceeding that is under two minutes. <laughs> That's kind of one of my rules. <laughs> but today I'm gonna. Um, because it's it's uh, not any court case. It is not any court case. It is possibly the killer of Tupac Shakur. Because Dwayne Keefe Davis was marched into a courtroom, clang, 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 with his shackles. And it was all of about 90 seconds. If you include the 30 seconds of the march, it was about two minutes. So why was it so short? What was said? And that's not even the biggest headline in this case today. No, the biggest headline is what the potential star witness in the case against him is saying. It's one of his gang rivals, right? So you would think, but it's going to be big, what Suge Knight says. Turns out, no. There may be a bigger case of uh, the Code of Omerta in gangsta warfare uh, than mob warfare. Suge Knight, not saying boo. And guess what? We have him saying it. You're going to hear the interview coming up in a moment with Suge Knight from prison about being the potential star witness in the case against Keefe D. Are we ever going to solve the case against Tupac? Mark Garagos is going to weigh in on this, too, because I'm now really unsure. I know that the suspect said it. I know he said it to the media. But saying it to the media is not saying it under oath or to the police. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. And then also, this one is another uh, case that continues to defy the norm. The case of John JonBenet Ramsey. Do you remember, and I know you do, when that very strange fella named John Mark Carr just decided to come forward and confess to the murder, and they hauled him in from Thailand, and they put him in a jumpsuit, and they put him through the paces, only to let him go, saying he's crazy. He's crazy. Well, maybe not, because right now, we've got an exclusive report tonight that says they are taking a very good look at John Mark Carr. And when I say that, I don't just mean with their eyes. I mean with brand new science. They think it's important enough to get his DNA to 2023 science. I'll tell you all about it in a moment and uh, interview the reporter who has the exclusive report on what's happening with the investigation into an old suspect who's being seen in a new light. All right, then, uh, I have always wondered... What happens when inmates are itty-bitty or super big, right? Do they actually, like, give them a different kind of accommodation? I get pretty mad when I'm on an airplane seat and, you know, I'm kind of average and I feel squashed. But then my husband's next door and he's over six feet 
And he, you know, basically can't feel his knees for the rest of the flight. That's just us flying for a few hours. That's not sitting in a jail cell for months, maybe years. And tonight we have exclusive information on what the Long Island serial killer suspect is dealing with in his cell. That fella right there is 6'4", 280. So how big do you think his cell is? Better yet, how big do you think his bed is? You're going to have the whole inside look, exclusive video inside the cell where he is being kept and the conditions he's in and what he gets to do every day and who has visited and who hasn't. That's all coming up in a moment. Two things are rare in this business. And I can say that because I'm at it for 35 years now. Two things are rare. Being able to watch a court proceeding in a case 27 years after the crime. That's rare. And then the other really rare thing is being able to watch a case where one infamous gangsta is, you know, pitted against another infamous gangsta from rival gangs. We don't get to see that very much. Like, this is the stuff of movies, folks. And now it's actually true crime. Because Dwayne Keefe D. Davis, the only person ever arrested in the Tupac Shakur murder, well, there's one guy left of the six that were there that night. Four in the killer car, two in the victim's car. There's only two guys left, and that's that man right there, Dwayne Kividi, and the man who was sitting beside Tupac when he was killed, Suge Knight. Suge's still alive. Suge's in prison. And Suge's going to be in prison for a long time for manslaughter. But I kept wondering, are they interviewing Suge? Have they interviewed Shug? What does Shug say? Because he survived and he looked across his passenger and he saw the car over to the right and he saw the gunfire erupt. So that there is what you would call, I don't know, a star witness, right? But before we even get to that, we get the first appearance today. I popped the popcorn. I sat down. I was waiting for all the details in this appearance when Keefe D came into court. And I heard the clanking shuffle of the chains, and I thought, here we go. And then this happened. Mr. Davis, sir, have you retained counsel to represent you in this case? Yes, ma'am. Who have you retained? Edie Paul. Okay, and is that person going to be here today? No, he's, uh, he, he needs two weeks to, uh, to be here. He said he needs to continue two weeks. He said he needed two weeks to be here? Oh, yeah, he needed a continuance for two weeks. Okay, and what's his name again? Edie Fall. Edie Fall? Yeah. Okay. All right, we're going to continue this matter for two weeks on a Thursday. That date is? October 19th at 9 a.m. Okay, we'll be back on that date. Thank you, Your Honor. All right, thank you. What? I got to wait two weeks? Okay, I'm a patient person. I've waited three decades, right? But I am a little impatient about Suge Knight. I really want to know what he's going to say. And wouldn't you know it, Harvey Levin, my pal over at TMZ, gets the interview with Suge Knight. He interviews him in prison, and he gets exactly what Suge Knight's plan is, and that is, ain't nobody know how going to get nothing from me. Those are my words, but here are Suge Knight's words, courtesy of TMZ. Take a look. Tell me what your reaction is to the arrest of Keefe D. Well... Surprise, number one, because I didn't think um, Keefe D would never get arrested. Nor do I want to see him get arrested. You know, let's get one thing uh, straight, first and foremost. You know, me and Keefe D played on the same Pop Warner football team. And whatever the circumstances, if he had an involvement with anything, if he didn't have any involvement with anything, I still, who want to see, I wouldn't wish 
somebody to go to prison on my worst enemy. The DA says that Keefe D was in the car with his nephew and that presumably his nephew, according to the DA, is the one that shot Tupac and that it was done with the full knowledge of Keefe. Um, do they have it right? It was only two people in the car. And Pac not to tell the story. I ain't gonna tell the story, but I tell you this. And I, I never had nothing bad to say about Orlando uh, uh, because number one, he wasn't a shooter. Number two, he came to my hearing and told to let me go and told the truth. They still didn't let me go. If you are called to testify in this case, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. Why not? Yeah, I wouldn't be. Why not? Well, number one, like I, because I'm not going to get on the stand and testify on somebody for what? They seem to be saying that Orlando was the shooter and Keefe was in on it, that he had full knowledge of what was going down and it was revenge for Orlando getting beaten up by Tupac and his team uh, at the MGM after the Tyson fight. Is that correct? No. Then who shot Tupac? It wasn't Anderson, so that's all I got to say about that part. To summarize, you are saying Orlando was not the shooter, although you won't say who the shooter was. You are not saying whether Keefe was involved in any way in the shooting. Um, and you are saying that if you're called to testify by either side, you will not comply. You will not testify. Do I have that right? I know what that last bleep was. Rhymes with hit. As in, there was a hit on his best friend. And he's not going to testify on his arch enemy. I, I thought, call me crazy, there was an East Coast, West Coast gang rivalry. I don't know. Is it over? Did I miss something? Maybe I did. Look, I'm just some white chick from the suburbs. I don't know. But I always thought there was an East Coast, West Coast rivalry, and he could have put his arch enemy away with that testimony, perhaps. Ain't gonna happen. That's what you call a hostile witness, my friends. So I expect he's definitely gonna get a subpoena. Or maybe the prosecutors don't want to hear that on the stand because it is not good for their case. When they have a confession right there in their pocket from the suspect. Here's what I don't get. And again, white girl from suburbs, you know, mom. It's all over like a piece of jewelry, allegedly. I want to show you the picture that, you know, has been released of the, um, the gold chain, the emblem, Death Row Records gold emblem. You know how the rappers are all wearing big gold chains, big emblem. Well, legend has it that one of Tupac's crew had that on because Tupac was with Death Row Records. And in a fight, it got ripped off. And then a little later on at the MGM, after the Tyson fight, Tupac's friends say, right over there, that guy, Orlando Anderson, he's the one that ripped off the gold chain, the emblem from the gold chain. That's him. Let's get him. Retribution. And they go and they kick his teeth in. And then Orlando Anderson, allegedly, with his uncle, Keefe D, jumped in a car with two others and shot Tupac dead. That's the narrative. Will prosecutors be able to prove it? Um, well, that's a really good question because Greg Kading is the one who really hopes they can. He's the original detective on Tupac's murder case. For more than a decade, he's live with me now. 
Oh, boy. You and I have been talking a lot in the last <laughs> week, uh, Greg Kading, and now you hear this from the person I thought was going to be the star witness, Suge Knight, arch enemy of Keefe D. Now it sounds like not so much. Do you think they still have a case without him? Oh, absolutely. They, they don't need him, nor do they want him for their case. Suge Knight has no credibility. Um, he's told so many different stories over the years, and there's just no value in using him. Um, he could have solved this case 27 years ago if he simply told Las Vegas PD that it was Keefe and the Cadillac and his crew, and they would have done quick work with that information. So um, anything that comes out of Suge Knight's mouth is absolutely worthless, and there's no value in it whatsoever. Well, what is it? it uh, again, I'm really out of it. Um, is it the code of omerta, meaning snitches get stitches? Or is it Suge afraid of what kind of retribution could happen in prison? Because he's there for a 28-year sentence for manslaughter. Why would he not say who it was who killed his best pal? Well, this gets very convoluted, and you can't make this stuff up. But we have to keep in mind what happened after that night in Vegas. Suge Knight goes to jail for a probation violation for his involvement in stomping down Orlando Anderson. Suge Knight then in turn pays Orlando Anderson. Wait, wait, wait. Just so that we keep the, keep the track going. Orlando Anderson, okay. the guy who allegedly grabbed that Death Row Records emblem in a fight and stole it, bringing on the wrath of Tupac and, and Suge and his friends in the MGM. So you're saying after that, Suge goes to jail because of that, uh, that melee in the, in the lobby. That is correct. And then Suge entices Orlando Anderson. He gives him $60,000 to come and testify at his probation hearing to testify that he that Suge wasn't trying to stomp him down. Suge was trying to help him and pull people off because Suge was desperately trying to stay out of jail because death row records was at stake. And so Suge pays the shooter of Tupac to come and testify in his trial in his favor for $60,000. Guess who facilitated that perjurious um, testimony? Let me guess. KPD. And again, you're telling me that Shug goes to his arch enemy and says, do me a solid and I'll give you some Mm -hmm. Benjamins. Okay. I didn't think it was that easy in the West Coast, East Coast rivalry. I thought with all the music and the lyrics that it was real, that they really hated each other, that it really wouldn't come down to something so trivial and pathetic. But it did. It did, and it even gets worse. It was not only Keefe D that helped to facilitate um, Orlando Anderson's testimony in Suge's probation hearing. It was the attorney that Keefe D called upon today in his trial. So this is just a big mess of, of unethical characters, all just trying to wow. um, do anything they can to, uh, to survive you know, the day. It's, it's just so convoluted mess, and so messy. But- But really what it is, is it is alliances were made between rival Mm -hmm. gangs and killers. Uh, Alliances were made a long time ago, and they are holding to today. So whatever code they seal together, it remains 27 years later. That's what you're telling me. That is why Suge is saying it wasn't Orlando. He's saying it wasn't Orlando. He wasn't the shooter because Orlando came to his aid when he needed him for his probation hearing. Wow. Yeah, and it's, it's weird because Orlando's dead, so you'd just be talking about his <laughs> honor and nothing else. There'd be nothing at stake. Yeah. You know, Greg, every time you're on, I say <laughs> I will probably talk to you again soon, so keep your phone handy. Thank you for this. Will do.
My pleasure. Greg Kading, one of the OG investigators on this case. He started it, and he got a lot. All right, so Greg's probably going to talk to us again tomorrow. In the meantime, I want to bring in Mark Garagos, because Garagos is a high-profile criminal defense attorney in fancy Los Angeles, and so he knows all the big players. Uh, criminal defense attorney, co-host of the podcast Reasonable Debt with Adam Carolla. All right, so Garagos, first question is, Greg doesn't think that prosecutors need Suge Knight's testimony. The only witness, you know, who could possibly identify what he saw when he looked across the passenger seat, across Tupac Shakur, and saw the gunfire and watched his friend die. Well, watched his friend get shot and then die six days later. Do you agree, 27 years later, that without the star witness they can get a conviction? No, no, I don't agree. And I think that that's all. Greg is is absolutely correct. He's saying that calling Suge is a prosecutorial nightmare. Uh, but at the same time, how else are you going to make this case other than the statements by the accused? And the statements by the accused, I don't think, make the case. So it's a, it's a tough road to hoe. I will tell you, though, what Greg said that did kind of resonate I haven't heard Edie Fall's name in uh, in a number of years, and that is the lawyer that the accused said he's waiting on and asked the judge to put the case over for two weeks. And I was trying, as you were sitting here, and I watched that, trying to remember where I had last uh, seen or heard him, and it was from the previous case. Is it possible that the court could decide that lawyer can't represent Keefe D? There's too much conflict of interest? I'm not so sure that lawyer is going to, I, you know, I haven't talked to him. I don't know until I listen to this. Yeah. I haven't even thought about it. But uh, anytime a client stands up and says, this person is going to come, they ask for a two-week continuance, I always have my doubts as to whether that lawyer is actually going to come or whether we're waiting for Godot. Well, right, and we might be in the weeds here, but there is one big question I have, and that is that prison sucks. We all know that. And when you're facing 28 years, if anybody offers you something that makes it less sucky, um, maybe you change your code of omerita. I don't know. It sounds to me like the codes change all the time between these rival gangs. So um, is there anything that prosecutors could do? And in their meetings with Suge Knight, if they choose to have any, is there anything they could do to incentivize Suge Knight to testify truthfully in the case uh, to Orlando Anderson being the trigger man and his uncle Keefe D um, being part of the, the crew? Let me make a general statement. Generally, state prosecutors, generally, state prosecutors don't like calling witnesses like a should. Um, feds have no problem with that. I mean, they they will call somebody with, uh, I've had, I've defended cases where they've, call, they've called to the witness stand, uh, repeat serial killers in order to get an identity theft uh, prosecution going. So in the, we're not talking federal court. We're talking here <laughs> state court where I just don't see it happening. I mean, number one, number two, they'd have to get, uh, the other thing is you can't just subpoena because it's out of state. Uh, you would have to get what's called a mint ad testificandum, and they would have to get that. Somebody would have to sign off on it in California. Uh, I think he would probably, Suge would probably uh, fight it. I don't think he's got any interest mm. in this. Suge knows like where, That's what, no interest he, in my experience. He knows where the ball bounces uh, in, in prison if you end up on the wrong side of somebody's, um, you know, 
somebody's gang affiliation. So, so hey, you are so smart because I was going to say where the bodies are buried, and I stopped myself, uh-huh. and you said you were the ball. And I was ball bouncing. <laughs> yes. Hey, uh, Mark, thank you. So appreciate it. I know this was a busy night for you, and you did this last night. I appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. Thank you, Ashley. Mark Garagos always doing a great job for us. Uh, he knows this stuff. He's been doing it forever. Coming up, he confessed to killing John Benet Ramsey 17 years ago, and it wasn't long before pretty much everybody dismissed him as crazy and then just released him from jail. Off you go, John Mark Carr. You are a weird one. So if that was the story, why is he being given a second look after nearly three decades since John Benet died? And why is his DNA going way up the forensics chain? Will new science yield new information about a very old suspect? That's next. Football is the game of life. And it brings the community together. White, black, boys, girls. Flag, tackle. Football can revive communities. That's why I think, you know, football is on the right path. Community with football is very accepting and loving to people who enjoy the sport. Win or lose, they do it as a family. Futureforfootball.com As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives and restore sight and health for many more. Sign up right now online as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. While serving in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. They didn't think I was going to make it. I'm LaToya Lucas, and I'm a veteran. I had to learn to live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Some people won't give you the real talk on drugs, but it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is killing people. It's a powerful opioid, often made illegally and commonly mixed with illicit drugs. It can even be pressed into counterfeit pills that resemble prescription medications. Just two milligrams, about the size of a few grains of sand, could potentially be lethal. This isn't an ad to scare you, but it is an ad to make you think twice. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. It's an era of politics like we've never seen. A new kind of politics needs a new kind of program you can trust. Welcome to The Hill on News Nation. I'm Blake Berman. Introducing The Hill. Joined by a great panel today. Want to present two tales for you as we start off. BC's definitive source for nonpartisan political news. The Hill, weekdays at 5, 4 Central on News Nation, America's fastest growing cable news network. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. Thanks for listening to News Nation on the Go. I'm Elizabeth Vargas, and this is America's source for engaging and unbiased news. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. 
It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Each week, VA sends an email to over 13 million veterans. It's jam-packed with veteran discounts on hundreds of services, job listings, and information on home loans, plus access to many local events for veterans and their families. Subscribe for free at va.gov slash vetresources to learn more. Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We go through safety training and try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. This Halloween, a spell is being cast with a flick of the wrist and a sneaky nose twitch. Antenna TV is conjuring an entire day of Bewitched on Antenna TV's Witch-O-Ween. October 31st, all day long. This Halloween, we do warn buckets and buckets of candy corn. Ah! (laughs) On the Sabrina the Teenage Witch-O-Ween Marathon, all day October 31st, starting at 9 Eastern on Rewind TV. So 17 years ago, I was um, still trying to lose the baby weight from my firstborn. And I remember sitting at my office, uh, sitting at my desk in my office, um, and dealing with this crazy story. Crazy. Ten years prior, there had been a a sensational murder. John Benet Ramsey had been killed. And no one had been able to solve her death for a decade. And then along comes this guy. And again, I'm still thinking about nursing, right? he says, I did it. He confesses. And they haul him halfway across the world from Thailand. And it was a circus. I mean, these pictures, I remember, it was a circus. And it seemed like he loved being in it. And we're all trying to figure out, why would he confess to this? This is crazy. He could have been off scot-free in Thailand doing his thing, you know. But in the end, the DNA did not match. And there were lots of holes in his story. There was a lot of stuff that was, like, hinky, about John Mark Carr, right? But in the end, they decided, you know what? He's nuts. Let him go. Get him out. Out he goes. And out he went into the, I don't know, world. And here we are. My son's about to turn 18, and we're back at John Mark Carr 17 years later. But it turns out we're not just taking a second look at John Mark Carr. The science now that my kid is 18, is 18 years smarter. And the DNA testing is that much better. And that's where his DNA is going now. It is going to a new advanced and innovative DNA testing lab specializing in innovative genetic genealogy. That's the key, ain't it? Because when my kid was born, genetic genealogy wasn't really a thing. Yeah, 23andMe didn't really exist, right? We, we didn't know about that stuff. And now we do. So here's the thing. Has he been under our noses all along? Could it really be him? You probably heard about a month ago that Steve Helling, a reporter for The Messenger, one of the best crime reporters out there, 
uh, got an interview with John Mark Carr in which John Mark Carr said everyone was so quick to say I was a liar or delusional. Did it ever occur to someone that I might have been trying to protect someone else? So there was that news a month ago with Steve Helling, and now there's this news from guess who? Steve Helling. And he joins me live. He's a senior crime reporter for The Messenger. Steve, you keep breaking news on this case. I am so curious about the potential for John Mark Carr to be relevant again. Tell me what you know. Well, so what we know for sure is that you know, they're retesting this this DNA. You know, you had John Ramsey on the show just the other night. You know, we all know that they're retesting it. And, you know, I spoke with with the authorities and they're saying, you know, we know it's not going to be any member of the, the Ramsey family. You know, that's clear because, you know, there, there are reports from 26 years ago that say that it wasn't one of the Ramseys. So they're saying it's got to be somebody else, somebody else who would have broken in. And so they're, you know, they're looking at everybody. And John Mark Carr is going to be one of those people who they're going to look at again. And, you know, I can't believe that you and I are having this conversation in uh-huh. 2023. But here we are. And, you know, is it going to be John are. Mark Carr? We don't know. But they have to they have to check it again. So I'm reading as well. I mean, and great reporting, by the way. Um, you always have great reporting, but this is really terrific stuff that they're also testing other evidence. I don't know if you know what other evidence or if it's other ev- evidence related to John Mark Carr, but I'm just wondering if it's like, well, let's just go over all the suspects. And let's open up the books again. Or if it's more pointed, deliberate, and there's something we don't know that makes this beyond let's just take a second look at him. There could be something that we don't know. What I would say is that they are they they made the mistake before of just focusing on the Ramsey family for what was it, twelve years when they could well, have then Patsy died under a cloud yes. of suspicion. Under the umbrella of suspicion, they could have cleared her in two weeks. Exactly. And they didn't. So I think now what they're doing is they're saying, okay, we're not even gonna go down that route again because you know, clearly that was a dead end. Let's do what we should have done. In, you know, 1996, let's do what we should have done when John Mark Carr came out, you know, in 2005. So let's let's go through this again. And what we do know is, you know, when I interviewed John Mark Carr a couple a few weeks ago, you know, as I'm listening to him, I'm thinking, well, he knows some things, other things he doesn't know. I don't know the answer to it and neither does anybody else. But what I would say is that, you know, I agree with the FBI who said at the time that they had cut him loose just a little bit too soon. Too soon. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. with you. Hey, speaking of too soon, when they cut him loose, a lot of us just lost track of him. We figured he just kind of melted back into weirdo land. But you have some reporting on what he's actually been up to and where he's been living. What do you know? So I had a three-hour conversation with him, and he was in a high-rise somewhere in Europe, is what he told me. And, you know, um, mm. from my tracking of what I could find, that that tracked with what we what I knew. You know, um, we talked. Um, he went on and on about things. And, you know, the thing is, as you know, Ashley, the longer that you talk to somebody, the more they let slip, just in talking. And so, you know... Um, I know that it's somewhere in Western Europe. I know he's in a city. You know, I know that he, uh, you know, there was all this uh, talk that he had, you know, um, transitioned and had gone, undergone a, a gender reassignment. He says that's not true. Um, you know, there's, there, 
it was kind of an int- it was a very interesting f- uh, phone conversation what, to say the least. What about this nugget that he may have worked as someone's nanny? Is that true? He had worked as a nanny. Um, you know, he he is not now. Um, but he did, you know, around 2009, 2010, you know, um, his resume appeared online back then, as I recall, where he was looking for a job like that. That's not what he's doing now. He, um, he was a little bit cagey. I don't know what he's doing to make ends meet now. Um, he wouldn't he wouldn't really get into that. Uh, he really wanted just to keep bringing the conversation back to John Bonet Ramsey. Okay, well, you and I aren't finished talking then because obviously, you know, they'll get those results that genealogy doesn't lie and it really does yield incredible things. And I know John Ramsey has been desperate, you know, for genealogy. Can I just read this real quickly? This is what John Ramsey told us. It's a quick statement. He wasn't available tonight to talk with us, but he said, John Mark Carr is a viable suspect. His emails over two years became very concerning and we turned him over to the DA for further scrutiny. Law enforcement did some amazing detective work to locate him in Thailand and eventually arrest him there. There is pretty strong evidence that he was stalking our family for a good while prior to John Benet's murder. To me, that is just, it just gives me chills. So, all right, Steve, call me. You know, uh, whenever you get these hits, call me and you're on and you're going to tell me what you find. All right. Love you, Devan. Thank you. you. Appreciate it. Steve Helling, uh, senior crime reporter for The Messenger, joining us live. Still to come. Three months is a really long time to be a guest anywhere, right? But it is an eternity if you're an inmate. And after the break, we've got exclusive details on the living conditions of the Gilgo Beach murder suspect. And here's a hint. He literally is not resting easy. Think about the puzzle I'm creating for you. He's literally not resting easy. P.S. He's 6'4". That's next. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Do you know that feeling when you just can't get comfortable? You know, you're tossing and turning. My shoulder hurts. Or you're trying to stretch out. You know, maybe you're on an airplane. You're like, I can't stretch out enough. Or the... Love seat you're lying on. Just, oh, you just want to lie down out flat. You know that feeling? How would you like to have that feeling for 82 days when you try to sleep on your mattress that is six feet long, but you are six foot four? That is the situation for this fella, Rex Huerman, the Gilgo Beach suspected serial killer. Uh, we got this incredible exclusive inside look at the Suffolk County Jail and where he is spending his days these days as he awaits trial. And our Laura Ingle actually measured the mattress. She, she brought the tape measure in there to, to measure it because he's huge. He's 6'4", 280. And she measured the thing and he's got six feet tip to toe. So he not lying flat. And there's so much more she found out about what the Suffolk County Jail is offering this very infamous inmate. Here's her report. 
The Suffolk County Sheriff's Office, led by Sheriff Errol D. Toulon Jr., oversees two correctional facilities on New York's Long Island, where 944 inmates call Riverhead and Yapank home. One of the inmates under Suffolk County supervision is Rex Hewerman. The 60-year-old architect is charged with the murders of Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, Amber Costello, and has been named the prime suspect in the murder of Maureen Brainerd Barnes, all sex workers known as the Gilgo Four. Inmates again can assemble if they want. Sheriff Toulon gave News Nation a behind the scenes view at what life is like behind bars for one of the most notorious serial killer suspects in recent history. You know, this is a, a typical cell. Uh, maybe not every cell in the country looks like this. Hewerman's new home is 60 square feet with a fixed bench, bed, desk, and stool. Toilet sink plastic mirror because we don't want them to have glass they can easily break that and use that uh, either to harm themselves or harm someone else hewerman's cell is no different than any other inmate being held at the suffolk county correctional facility despite his size he is 6'4 280 correct and that seems like a lot of person for this small of an area we're not here to accommodate those that are coming into our custody because of size or weight or anything like that. Sheriff Toulon took that to heart for their first meeting. When you saw him first come into custody, he was in a unit like this, he was on a mattress like this, and you basically saw him, what did you say, looking at the ceiling and just sleeping? He was sleeping, right. The first time he was sleeping, second time he was looking up at the ceiling, Third time, he was on his bunk with his back against the wall. What you won't see in Hewerman's cell is anything on the walls. We do not allow any pictures on the walls because if someone is manipulating the wall and trying to cover it with the picture, uh, we, we don't authorize that. Hewerman is under 24-7 surveillance. How often is somebody peering in and looking at him? Well, we have a correction officer that's monitoring his cell every single day. In addition, uh, on all three tours, we also have an additional camera in the housing area uh, also. We do have medical staff that comes two to three times a day uh, just to check on him. While under supervision, Hewerman has a list of essential services available to him. He's able to have books, he's able to go to recreation, religious services. He goes out to medical, goes to law library, and goes to rehabilitation unit. So he's become a lot more acclimated uh, inside of his housing area. He has the opportunity to play basketball, do pull-ups and sit-ups, or just pace around the recreational area. Mr. Hewerman just walks around the recreation yard. Hewerman is even able to get a haircut, something many noticed during his last court appearance. So we were able to identify someone uh, meeting our security procedures that could come in and give Mr. Herman a haircut because he had requested one. Did he select this style himself or was this something that the barber just did? Most of the people that are incarcerated select their own hairstyles. And he also gets visitors. No family members have come to see him, only his attorney and an unknown individual. No, it's not a name that we are at this point willing to divulge because that person, uh, their life would be turned upside down. So if he or she decided that they wanted to come forward and say, I'm the person that visited Rex Hearman, that would be uh, up to them. He's also allowed to make calls, but he can't receive them and has to dial out in a common area where every conversation is recorded. Meanwhile, investigators with the Suffolk County Anti-Trafficking Unit are talking with female inmates who worked as escorts to see if they have any information on Hearman. Mr. Hearman was seeking out sex workers uh, prior to his arrest. 
So we do know that there are women out there that may have had some potential contact with him. Sheriff Toulon says they are keeping Huerman away from other inmates for now for his own protection and safety. My goal is to make sure that the justice is served in the, in the courts and not in the jail. Rex Huerman will have his next court date on November 15th. And as far as how he's spending some of his days, he does get that time in the law library. And he spends about two to three hours, though he can go in there for four hours if he chooses to. Uh, We also know that as far as his food portions goes, he doesn't get any more food than the regular inmate, uh, somebody that might be a different size. We mentioned the size at the top. He's 6'4", 280, but he gets the exact same amount of food as the other inmates. Ashley? Wow, Laura, that seems so unfair because they have to pay for whatever they get from the commissary to supplement it if they're still hungry. But I guess that I guess it's just like the airlines, right? Laura, great job. Really good job in there. Right. Thank you for taking the tape measure in. <laughs> such such Absolutely. a smart well, reporter. We were curious, I mean, to look at his size. <laughs> Yeah, me too. And I wouldn't want to sleep in there. Okay, well, thank you. And keep us posted on the next uh, break in in the Rex Hearman case. Uh, Laura Ingle, one of our newer reporters, and she's terrific. So coming up next, I have fantastic breaking news for you. I just found out that Charlotte Senna, that little nine-year-old girl who was kidnapped from her family's campground on Saturday, uh, she's home. She is home tonight. This is such wonderful news to report. She's home from the hospital with her family. I've got a live report coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nyx.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. Breaking news to tell you tonight, little Charlotte Senna is home from the hospital after a horrendous ordeal, being kidnapped on Saturday, being held for almost 48 hours, an arrest of a suspect. She's in a cabinet in his camper behind his mother's trailer. Our Brooke Schaefer is live now with this breaking news. Uh, Wow, this is such great news to hear, although I know there's a big road ahead of her. Yeah, absolutely. And really the family pointing that out tonight. Uh, Charlotte home safe with her family, but uh, her aunt actually started a GoFundMe for the family. I want to read a bit of what she wrote on there. Uh, She said, now that Charlotte is home, the real work will begin. There are and will be a lot of ongoing expenses and appointments that will require the family to be out of work. Uh, The aunt really pointing out that this family is doing what they can at this point to try and transition back into some normalcy and to heal from this nightmare situation. Ashley? 
Yeah, yeah, that's an understatement that they're going to have a, a long road ahead with a lot of counseling. Um, we don't even know the half of what yeah. happened to this little sweetheart in those hours that she was with uh, her alleged kidnapper, who is Craig Ross Jr., alleged kidnapper. I could not believe it, Brooke, when I heard that they are now investigating his mom. What is the story behind that? Yeah, so remember, they found this little girl in a camper in the backyard of this suspect's mom's house. Uh, so right now, we know that New York State troopers are talking to this accused kidnapper's mom. They want to know what she knew, if anything, if she knew that there was a little girl kidnapped and in a camper in her backyard. Uh, right now, New York State police saying it's too early to tell if there will be charges against this suspect's mom, but they are definitely questioning her, wanting to know what she knew, if anything. Talk about ruining, you know, your life, your kids' lives, and then your mom's life if he's, in fact, uh, guilty of this. So um, Craig Ross was not a stranger to the police. You were able to interview um, a law enforcement officer who's got history with him. Yeah, so Craig Ross Jr., this was not his first time being arrested. He was actually arrested back in 1999 for drunk driving. And that arrest was really a key part of this investigation. His fingerprints from 1999 linked him to this kidnapping. Troopers here in New York State say that there was a fingerprint on the ransom note left for Charlotte's parents. That fingerprint matched the case in 1999. Uh, our next star affiliate here in New York spoke with that police officer who made the arrest in 1999, 24 years ago. Here's what she had to say about all of this. I was totally excited. I was really pleased that something so small that I had done 24 years ago resulted in something like this. And, you know, she said she doesn't remember this case specifically. She doesn't necessarily remember that night, you know, 24 years ago. But really how remarkable that, like she said, something so small, just a procedural thing, taking fingerprints could then lead to now two decades later uh, being able to find this little girl alive and be able to now have her home with her family. It's really a, a wild story. It's, it's incredible that she's, she's home tonight. I'm so glad. I was really wondering if she was going to be in the hospital a long time. I have tw uh, 20 seconds left. Brooke, more charges. Are we expecting them soon? Are we expecting them at all? Troopers have said expect more charges against Craig Ross Jr. Again, he is in jail right now. Troopers telling us they believe he is in isolation tonight. Uh, but as of when we can expect those potential extra charges against this accused kidnapper, uh, still not sure. We've reached out to New York State Police multiple times. Uh, and as of right now, they're saying pretty tight-lipped, citing the ongoing investigation. Ashley? Okay. Brooke Schaefer, stay on it. Great work. Thank you for this. Brooke reporting live for us out in the field, and she will get that information when there are more charges. She'll be on air with that. Still ahead. How much prison time is enough for killing your mom? How much is too much? A woman who admitted to a truly sensational case of matricide is about to go free after less than a decade locked up. And when I tell you her name, Gypsy Rose, and the twisted acts of her mother, the victim, weirdly, you might agree that she should go free. Don't go anywhere.